great. So uh, dear Girls Club Capital members, founders, investors, and guests, welcome to our first and special Women Leaders in Venture Capital and Angel Investing panel. On our panel today, we will be hosting six amazing women fund managers from diverse industries, including digital healthcare, consumer brands, impact, sustainability, femtech, and the future of work. We will be hearing about our venture capitalists and angel investors' personal experience of what it's like to build to build an investment firm. We will learn about their investment thesis gender and impact-driven investing lens, and we will be discussing more meaningful issues that align with the GCC's mission of building the best possible future for equal opportunity, financial stability, and a stronger and healthier econ economy for all. This webinar is approximately 45 minutes long. Each panelist will be asked one personalized question, and we will dedicate about five minutes in total for each of these Q&As, including a follow-on question from our audience and the other panelists. I am pleased to introduce you to our first speaker who is joining us. She's based in San Francisco, um, Gillian Manos, who is the managing partner at Structure Capital. Hi, Gillian. Hello, everyone. Hello, Gillian. nice to be here, I'm honored to be here. Thank you, we are super honored to have you today. Uh, you are the managing partner of the early stage Silicon Valley Venture Fund Structure Capital, which has deployed over $100 million into amazing startup companies. You wrote the third investment check that Uber raised, and it has now backed a total of about 71 companies that align with your investment thesis of zero waste economy. Please tell us more about your incredible ability and talent of spotting the next multi-billion dollar companies from the very beginning, and how you are executing the missions of creating a path to self-sufficiency and security for women and children and providing jobs for every person? Well, first of all, that's a very big question. Um, and uh, I'm gonna be brief because we have, I want to uh, be respectful of the other panelists for which I really am thrilled to be here with all of you. Um, just very quickly in terms of um, when you invest in a company early, um, you really don't invest in the company. You can't possibly know where the product, the path forward for that product is. You as assume that it's going to pivot at one point, um, and there are numerous uh, representations of that. So you truly are investing in the people. And because you're investing in the people, you want to make sure that they are not only determined and confident, but they also have humility and they have integrity and they understand and they can motivate a team, they can inspire. And so you really are investing in the people. And because you invest in the people, my theory is always to invest in values, not just valuations. So when I say values, we teach all of our companies 10 values to instill into the, the culture of the company from the very beginning. 
to use as a North Star for all their decision making. And so that way, we see that the companies that actually have values ingrained into their culture, into their DNA, are those that navigate challenges better, they uh, are able to attract and retain talent better. And those are really what I invest in. I invest in people and I invest in values. Um, so, so we, so if you just quickly on, uh, in terms of what um, the investment strategy is, we invest in underutilized assets in excess capacity. And one of the underutilized assets of this world is human potential. So when you talk about investing and trying to create passive self-sufficiency for women and children, you invest in, in a woman's potential. And um, there's a Maimonides, you know, a wonderful proverb about giving people a fishing pole and not just a fish. And so that is really what we do. How can we deliver jobs and in order to create self-sufficiency? And that's it. Hard stop. Done. How's that? Two minutes? Three minutes? Wow. Perfect. <laughs> it's just great. Very informative. Are there any questions from our panelists or audience? Please feel free. Uh, to use the Q&A button or ladies feel free to jump in and ask Julian any question you may have. Maybe Julian, what, what is your uh, favorite investment at the moment where you're so proud? I, I know you oh. love all your portfolio. <laughs> if yeah. one of them you're, you're very excited well, about. I have, I have one, of their, uh, one of mine, which is really interesting, is called Workpath. And Workpath was acquired by Roe uh, three months ago. But Warpath was a company called Igbo five years ago. And this company went through founders who did not do a good job and misrepresented a lot. So we had to put in another CEO. We had a president that had a sexual harassment case against him and told nobody. And then he killed himself. And so all the LPs, all the investors said, what are you doing? It mobilizes healthcare workforces, which is really important back to the self-sufficiency. And um, I said no I, to my LPs. I said no to all the investors. The board dug in. We, we pulled hair. I still have clumps of hair missing from that. But we scaled down the company to 13 people. 45. We recapitalized it. We acquired by Roe three months ago. And now since that acquisition, Roe has just today announced a $500 million um, raise at a $5 billion valuation. And we rolled all of our position into Roe. So very proud of that company and very proud of that leadership and their values. They literally wrote out on the wall of their office. Wow. So, so when we talk about uh, investors and founders' uh, long-term relationship, congrats, Gillian. Uh, very insightful. Yeah, I really, I'm, it, it wow. was, I, I always say be tenacious but gracious. This was a tenacity and gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Wow, what an incredible success stories. I thank you so much for sharing this with us. Um, next, I'd like to introduce you to our second speaker who is joining us from Washington, D.C., Dana Goldstein, Director of Impact Investing at Alcyon Angels. Uh, Dana, since its founding in 2014, Alcyon Incubator Ventures has created over a thousand jobs 
raised over 100 million and impacted over a million lives. You're currently serving as the director of impact investing at the newly formed Alcyon Angels. Please share with us more insights about how your view that impact-driven businesses outperform and about your process of sourcing, selecting, funding, and mentoring the most promising impact-focused ventures. Uh, you're on mute, so we'll need to unmute. Okay, great. Hi, sorry about that. Um, and thank you so much, uh, Ash, and I'm delighted to be with you all today. Um, and if I may, let me start with your second question, um, the health insurance process of sourcing, selecting, and mentoring the most promising uh, impact-focused ventures, and then I'll talk about our process for funding those ventures. Um, as you mentioned, the Healthy Hand Incubator has incubated some of the world's most promising social ventures since 2014, and we have an extensive process for evaluating companies that's not unlike the process of evaluating early-stage companies for investment. Uh, we have a great network of referral partners, and we have early-stage and impact ecosystem uh, partners that send uh, promising ventures to us. And we've honed the methodology, but we look for impact. Uh, we look for solving a specific problem. We look for sustainability. Uh, we look a lot at how the team is going to be positioned to execute what's innovative about what they're doing. And like Jillian just mentioned, at an early stage, the team is a lot of what you're investing in. We then add a what we think is a unique mix of community, education, mentorship, and we actually have a residential incubator program. Uh, so we have a lot of coaching, a lot of mentorship, and a lot of kind of peer mentoring that goes into the process uh, in this beautiful historic uh, house in Georgetown, where I'm unfortunately not at the moment. Um, and we have a group of uh, mentors and advisors uh, that really help us identify the most promising ventures. We've kind of developed a sixth sense at this point for the most promising uh, entrepreneurs and businesses. Um, we're really looking for entrepreneurs because we believe that impact uh, is at the focus um, and, and needs to be a North Star for these, co these companies. We're looking for entrepreneurs who really think that they have and who we think have come up with a solution to a pressing problem that has both market potential and impact potential. And we formed Healthy on Angels last year to invest in the, the best of those companies. We think they're all great. We all get very attached to our, uh, our incubated companies. Um, but we're really looking for the companies that come out of our incubated programs that have the potential to generate both financial and social or environmental returns. Um, impact means different things to different people. Uh, one of my kind of standard jokes is if you ask eight investors what they mean by impact, you'll probably get about 10 different answers. But for us, what we're looking for is regardless of industry, that whatever the good is that the company is trying to do is at the center of the solution. So it's not an afterthought. It's so baked into the model that when the company succeeds financially, it creates impact and vice versa. Uh, so we're looking for, for companies that in a lot of cases are addressing challenges that have been kind of caused by market failures. And we believe that by finding market-based solutions to those problems, they're creating something that's gonna be sustainable, not just in addressing whatever the market failure is from a social or environmental perspective, but meeting a market opportunity. And in addition to that, we're seeing increasing interest uh, in aligning financial, social, and environmental interests. Um, you know, we launched uh, last year during a global pandemic. And one of the things that we found is that partially as a result of the pandemic and the resulting economic downturn, partially as a result of the heightened uh, awareness of, of racial injustice that uh, everybody was experiencing and, and understanding and reacting to last summer, 
that there's an increased interest in impact-driven businesses and sort of this notion that shareholder returns and stakeholder returns don't actually have to be two different things. And that by creating a business that is tackling a key problem that has a market-based solution uh, that is also able to attract employees who care about change and who care about doing something good, it's also able to attract customers who care about change and who care about doing something good. Um, and in that process, we've identified um, there are also some businesses that are essentially creating new market opportunities as a result of that orientation. I'll give you a quick example, and then I'm sorry, try to keep the time here. Um, we are the first investment of Halcyon Angels, and it's also one of the um, uh, incubator portfolio companies, uh, is called Solstice. It's a community solar company. Without going into too much detail, they're helping people who are not otherwise able to put solar panels on homes get access to solar power, solar power, excuse me. There's increasing interest in clean energy, but not everybody can put solar panels on their, their roofs. By creating this marketplace for solar developers and people who are interested in sourcing uh, clean energy, they've essentially created a market for themselves. And so what we mean by uh, these types of businesses outperforming is that they're really able to, uh, at least the best of the businesses are able to create opportunities that aren't concessionary investments. It's not saying we're investing in this because it's doing good and we're willing to accept a lower return for it. It's saying because this business is doing good, it's creating market opportunities that we think are going to position it with you know, typical early stage risks to be able to perform incredibly well financially and also do something that's good for the world uh, at the same time. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, terrific work. Uh, we actually have two uh, founders members here at the panel today, uh, Laura and Tara, are based in DC. And I don't know if you've been to the Alcyon um, Incubator, but it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful townhouse um, at uh, the Georgetown. Um, and um, and highly recommend visiting. And please let us know if, if you have any questions for Dana. I also want to mention that uh, last week I hosted uh, a roundtable, investors roundtable, which when they participated for uh, an impact VC called Nightly Adventures. And uh, part of the discussion was that a lot of the new mandate of the institutional investors, such as the pension funds, is to invest specifically in companies that are uh, that uh, that fit the ESG. Uh, but Fortunately, there aren't many um, big, you know, growth stage pre-IPO companies um, that that have like impact component. Um, and they think that's someone mentioned that Lemonade, for example, that's what they got a ton in funding uh, because they donate part of their uh, proceeds, a percentage of that um, to uh, charities. So it's very interesting also to see it, you know, in the uh, different stages. Um, and I feel like you are doing the amazing work of funding this very early stage and preparing them for these uh, great uh, opportunities in the future. Can I just add one yeah. thing? There is, there is data to support that companies that are mission driven are actually outperform others. And so this is not, impact is not just as, you know, as noted, it is actually really more of a must do and, and part of the leadership of a company to drive a mission forward. And we call this the 21st century business model, which is to return not just to shareholders, but to society. And that is really what this is, the investing is and into society. So 
um, I'm going to come to Georgetown soon and see your setup. I really love what you're doing. I really love what you're doing. I would love that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, great. Now I'd like you to meet our third speaker who is joining us from New York, uh, Wendy Diamond, former uh, founder and CEO of LDP Ventures. Wendy, in 2013, you founded Women's Entrepreneurship Day, which has been held every November 19th since and has been observed in over 144 countries. It was described by Fortune magazine as a global movement to celebrate and support female founders and shed light on some of their challenges. Your intention was also to mobilize a global network of female business owners, entrepreneurs, and change makers who support and empower this community of women entrepreneurs and their businesses. Please tell us more about your remarkable achievements and accomplishments and how this mission of yours is being executed also through your investment firm, LDP Ventures. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ash, for including me. And such an honor to be with all these fabulous ladies. Woohoo! Um, so yeah, so I created Women's Entrepreneurship Day because um, I ended up, I'm just going to give you my, I'm going to take my two minutes to kind of explain why I uh, Women's Entrepreneurship Day was created. Um, in 2013, I ended up in Honduras on vacation, not realizing it was the murder capital of the world. And I'm an adventure traveler. So I went. And when I got there, um, I, you know, I was at this hotel and I got really like, oh my God, I'm going to lose it if I don't do something outside of this hotel, right? And I ended up volunteering for an organization that gave microloans to poor women. And, you know, I've met Muhammad Yunus, a Nobel Peace Prize winner who, you know, created Grameen and everything in the past, but I never really experienced on the ground what these, these you know, microloans did with this community. So I ended up meeting all these amazing women and I met one woman who I will never forget and who inspired me to create Women's Entrepreneurship Day. She was 72 years old. She had three little kids. I'm like, how did you have these little kids? And she said that her daughter passed away and the husband ran off and that she had to go to Adelante, this organization in Honduras to receive this microloan because she needed to figure out how to you know, put her kids through school, these grandchildren. And she opened up one window in her one room hut where she sold Cokes and toothpaste and was able to afford that dollar a month for each of those kids to go to school. And for me, each story in this little community, I supposed to spend a couple hours, I spent three days on a dirt floor and I loved it, right? And at that time in 2013, when I started researching, I realized, my gosh, only 1% of venture dollars are going towards women founders. I realized, my God, when women, when women are getting these microloans, they're paying them back at a 98% rate. And 90% of that money they earn goes back to educating their children, providing for their family. So that's when I went back to New York. I started researching and I was realizing, wow, there's not a lot out there about women entrepreneurs and you know women in business at the time in 2013. And that's when I said, my gosh, I'm gonna create a day in the world because if we create a day, we're gonna create the conversation. And that's when I went around the world and I went to the, um, all these people I knew, um, you know, my background's kind of funny. So I knew like, you know, royal families and all these people. <laughs> and so, so anyways, and fast forward, that's when um, I went and said, who in your country is the greatest person to bring governments, business leaders, civil society together to collaborate, to find solutions, to uplift women in business. 
I got the US Congress every day to proclaim November 19th as Women's Entrepreneurship Day. I got Governor Cuomo, uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, Governor of California, Mayor Garcetti. We just partnered uh, Mayor Garcetti's office with the European Commission and WeGate as uh, women entrepreneurs in, in Europe that they're gonna be proclaiming it in the European Union this year, November 19th. And what we're doing is we're creating this the conversation around the world. And then, so me, let's just, I only get three minutes, so I'll, I'll quickly go do it. And I, you know, I love to invest in impact. I mean, I've been an impact entrepreneur my entire life. I've never worked for somebody. I've been an entrepreneur. I know what it takes to do something, to start something. And it's my goal in life to basically make a huge impact. So I invest in, you know, pretty much everything is impact oriented, women led and impact. And if it's, if, if men founded it, you know what? They better be doing something to support women. So I invest in farmers. Like, so I'm part of, uh, you know, and I'm also about human capital because there's nothing better than investing and being a part of something and making these dreams happen for these entrepreneurs, but also to make a big imprint in, in the world to make a pot, this world a better place. So, you know, I'm involved, uh, you know, with anything that's to, to do with pets because my background, I created the animal rescue movement in America. I mean, I only have three minutes. Shoot, shoot. Anyway, so I, you know, I'm all about, you know, supporting those. So I'm investing in the pet space, agriculture, health, and I use my whole entire network to really accelerate growth in these companies. And Jillian, I'm invested in a company with you, you guys, and Mike's handling it. And I'd love to bring you into this, <laughs> into this company because I would love you to turn it around and, and sell it for a half billion dollars because I will donate all that money to support women founders. Woo thank you. Amazing. Wow. When they feel like I need to be 200 years old in order to achieve everything that you accomplished in such a short period. So phenomenal. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, let's uh, we have a moment or two to take one qu quick question before we continue. I love Wendy. your energy. Love Thank you, Wendy. Comment we got. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, Jillian, Wendy, sorry. what percentage of your investment is here in the United States versus globally? Uh, so I only invest in the United States uh, and pretty much because that, but, but what my companies are global. So for instance, I've in, invested in a company called Producers okay. Market, which is the you know ecosystem to uh, match farmers direct to retailers. And so what I did is part of you know my investment and also my human capital, I connected them with the United Nations Environmental Program and the government of India. And we're now putting onboarding 6 million farmers in India, 80% of those are women. And they are, it's the biggest regenerative farming project in the world. And so, you know, that's kind of how I look at my, you know, how can I help these companies if I'm going to get involved? Terrific. Thank you so much. And I'll just also mention that Wendy wonderful, is wonderful. an expert um, in blockchain space. So um, if you guys want to connect on that as well, and maybe next time we can talk about uh, blockchain uh, in the context of uh, impact and now it's uh, disrupting so many things in our society. Um, now I'd like to introduce you to our fourth speaker who is joining us from LA, uh, Odile Rojol, founder of Fab Ventures, fabulous. Uh, prior to founding uh, Fab Ventures, an early stage micro VC and incubator firm focused on DTC, femtech, wellness, clean beauty, and sustainable fashion. You were working at L'Oreal as the CEO and president of Lansom, 
if I pronounced it correctly, on some cosmetics brand, which generates over $3 billion in revenue. In our previous interview, you mentioned that female founders of consumer brands are uniquely positioned for that because they overwhelmingly dominate concept consumption and they can build businesses that leverage their insights as consumers. Please tell us more about how you choose to invest in underserved needs and how you help to amplify the voices of these female founders and minority founders. Ashmore, thank you for organizing this great event. And uh, it's lovely to have people uh, in Washington, New York, uh, San Francisco, everywhere in the US and uh, creating bridges like you do is uh, fabulous. Um, I will say that uh, I started my fund, which is a seed stage from consumer brands and especially investing in what I call communities, platforms, content and e-commerce. So that means people purpose driven, exactly like was mentioned by Wendy, Dana and Gillian, but also data driven and um, tackling underserved needs. And uh, I didn't position the fund for female founders or for minority founders, but out of the 13 investments I've already led, 10 of them are female founders. And um, one of them is about gender fluidity, uh, David E. Uh, and uh, I will say more than half of them are second generation of immigrants or first generation of immigrants. It's like that. I didn't choose them like that, but I'm very proud <laughs> to support female founders and minority founders. So. I invest basically in a woman wellness, uh, such as TICS, that is about pregnancy tests, uh, online, reliable. Their insight was we want to avoid customers to be <laughs> at the Walgreens and to have their ex-boyfriend or their mother-in-law to look at what they do. That was a great insight. I've got Bloomy, that is about sexual wellness and self-care and feeling good. So I had to break a lot of taboos to invest in them because when they said to me, you need to read the masturbation uh, mail of the month, I was saying, oh, I'm not ready. So some of them are educating me to be more at ease with the body as a veteran, I would say, compared to their young generation. Some of them are about clean beauty, but when I say clean beauty, powered by all hair stylists like Kaitin and um, uh, Savin Save and Brita, I've also built the, uh, the towels uh, business with Akis Air or about uh, uh, microbiome with uh, Dr. Elsa Youngman that has also founded the Science of Beauty Collective with uh, women of science sharing their learnings and how to be more transparent in the beauty industry with other founders. So all of them fight for something. Um, and I've also invested in uh, the sustainability in fashion because as you know, it's a very polluting industry. So I'm very proud of two investments. One of them is Stars and Fell because the, their insight was to say to me, Gen Z have 18 pairs of sneakers in their closet and wardrobe. And uh, they're upcycling the uh, sneakers when you send back them to, uh, to them, in fact. And Kintra Fibers is uh, about material science company replacing uh, polyester and nylon. As you know, it's polluting also the ocean. So very, very proud of that, but also investing in platforms such as Brightly uh, eco-conscious platform educating us um, in as consumer because I think we can all make a difference and uh, happy as a as a VC with a lot of humility in seed stage to try to help people to have an impact on the planet and on our body and health. Oh, amazing! Thank you so much. This is terrific. Merci. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, as you see in French accent, living in uh, LA. 
after San Francisco, but uh, very French. <laughs> yes, yes, I uh, love the French accent and language. Um, great, any questions for Dale? Happy to connect. Dale, you asked me a yes, question, please, so please. I'm asking you. <laughs> Adele, what's your favorite investment? Uh, what, what do you think is the investment right now that's the most relevant for the uh, state yeah. that this country is now in, perhaps the world? I've got two of them in mind, uh, very different in fact. One of them is Waina. It's a traditional Chinese medicine platform. Uh, I've just invested with Agla Ventures and they're building a tech platform for helping people not only to have the skincare, but also to have the diagnosis. For instance, if you show your tongue to a traditional medicine doctor, they can analyze your diet if uh, there is something to change in addition to your skincare. And I strongly believe in a holistic approach of beauty. And the second one is uh, one I, I mentioned, Good Light. Uh, David Yee is an activist. He was voting for Biden. He was anti-Trump. And from time to time, I had to cool him down uh, because he was criticizing Glossier Emily Weiss on her way to behave with her employees with an investigation he had led with some journalists. Uh, but he's very involved in what she does. And by the way, Emily Weiss apologized after saying she was not aware. So now he's got a skincare line. And I love the fact that he's also having a community that he's leveraging before having the products. During three years, he built the community and now he's having the products. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, My pleasure. Great. Great. Um, next, I'd like to introduce you to our fifth uh, speaker, who is also joining us from the West Coast. She's based in uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, Michelle Kuluti, managing partner of Digital DX Ventures. Uh, Michelle, um, uh, your firm, Digital uh, DX is uniquely positioned to find, support, mentor, and grow the outliers in digital healthcare. Additionally, you were a lawyer, serial entrepreneur, and founder of companies in legal technology, retail, and entertainment and media spaces. In our previous interview, you mentioned that your personal goal is, quoting, to have more women LPs to create our own ecosystem of support from the top down, and that you make a big effort to bring women onto your boards. Could you please elaborate on your fund, Digital uh, DX Ventures, as well as what you believe companies and investment funds miss out on without women in these leadership positions, and how you are executing on bridging this gap. Absolutely. Thank you, Ash. And thank you, everyone, for all this interesting uh, philosophies and strategies. It's uh, it, You learn as much from the people on the panel, right, as, as you do your own founders and so forth. Um, so Digital DX um, is we our goal is to help uh, people diagnose illness earlier, less invasive, less expensive, and more accurate, enabled by AI and data. Um, you know, the, the artificial intelligence has completely changed the way and we are able to identify what's going on with us. Um, used to be doctors had not enough information, now they have too much. 
uh, and we really need to be able to put that to good use. So um, our focus is, is collectively affecting over 2 billion lives um, with, our, uh, with our investments. So things like we've invested in a saliva test for breast cancer, an eye scan for Alzheimer's that identifies up to 10 years before dementia, urine tests for kidney health, mental health platform adopted by the state of Texas. So a lot of things that, are, that have a very large reach and a big impact in the world. Um, and also, uh, interestingly enough, uh, as per Accenture, those two areas, AI and um, healthcare, are the two fastest growing areas over the next five to 10 years. So the uh, financial side, as Jillian mentioned, as well as the impact side is very important to us. Um, and I talk about this uh, in terms of the fact that, you know, as women, fund managers are less than 2% out there, right? And, uh, and, and as a result, we don't have that network. So when my male friends and colleagues decide to raise the fund, um, they talk to a couple of their friends from business school, the family offices, they'll seed them to start their fund. Well, women, we don't have that. We talk to other women. Women, uh, recently I had a conversation with a woman, a very successful woman was general counsel of a large company that had an exit. And I was telling her about what we were doing. And she said, you know, I've never has ever explained to me what a venture fund is, what a qualified investor is. You know, I've never received these deals. And it makes sense because to be honest, as less than 2% of women out there, we're not out there, you know, having drinks uh, with our female friends or playing golf and sharing, you know, venture opportunities. So um, I think that should change, right? We really need to be able to change that because the reason why we are less than 2% is there is no network of women that are doing this. And the reality is um, the, the, the gender makes a difference when it comes to companies and their success. Um, so be having more opinions at the table, especially when it's in, you know, there's women health areas, as, as Odile was mentioning, other areas that are really critical to have multiple points of view. So we believe in diversity, not only of gender, and uh, but also of thought, um, of degrees. We don't want to see all three PhDs. We don't want to see all three MBAs in our companies. Um, so I focus very much on creating that chain. Starts with the LPs that support the fund managers like us, and then we actually can then, it's one to many, right? We can add women to the board. We can support female founders. We can bring women into the C-suite. You know, I've had on my uh, contracts when, I, when I've when i invested in companies that they have to have at least one woman best efforts for a second. I've done as a lawyer, that's, you know, something I've been able to do. And, and I think it's important because it's risk. We are all about managing risk. And, and to and better manage risk, you have to have more, opinions and thoughts and intelligence at the table so that you can actually answer those questions in advance. They don't catch you by surprise as you're in the middle of your execution. Oh, all our sample set was done on, you know, on men. We never tested this on women. Wait a minute, you know, or all of our, you know, our mice models are all men. Why are they all men? Why are they all male models, right? So, um, so I feel like women, like, especially in healthcare, you look at women have the majority of wealth in the country. They're responsible for 80% of the buying decisions. You know, they are the main caretakers in healthcare of people who get sick, yet we don't, they don't invest. They don't know to invest. So we've made a real effort to try and bring more women in our fund. We've actually lowered our minimums to enable more women to become LPs um, and have a good experience in something specific in a very vertical specific strategy. Um, because, you know, the sort of like you women, investing women is great, but don't forget women are half the population. So, but investing in women in a strategy, you know, makes sense. And in diversity makes sense. So over half of our companies have women as founders in the C-suite. So we want to balance it. We want to all have, you know, and I brought a lot of women to my company as a result. And I'll give you just one example. I came into a company and it was a, the saliva breast cancer company, phenomenal company. I was an observer when I came in, there was not one woman on the board. How is that possible? So right from then I came in, I said, 
forget it, this isn't gonna work. So we changed the thing, we brought more women. I brought this amazing woman, chief data scientist at McAfee onto the board, stage four breast cancer survivor, but another woman. And the board now is really fantastic, very inspired. And, um, and now they're really finding some really exciting results. So I feel like this is, um, this is really critical to the success of our companies and to lowering the risk for our investors and maximizing the opportunity um, for everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, this is uh, so such good advice and tips. Um, and I liked how you said we women uh, don't get much deals because we don't golf together and have drinks together to teach that about these businesses opportunities. And actually, I want to ask Julian a question because when I did my research about you, I saw that you're very famous for your extravagant uh, uh, networking events and parties in Silicon Valley. And what would love to hear your thought about how can we women leverage these like types of networking events and skills in order to really be on top of, you know, everything that's going on in the industry. Well, actually, I'd love Catherine to talk because she hasn't, we haven't gotten to her yet. And she's so, so interesting. I want to just note on something Michelle said, which is, very important for everyone who's listening, which is the composition of boards is a critical piece to the success of a company. So not only when we invest, do we invest into the founders and obviously the teams, but we really look at the very early stages of who their advisors are and then really help them to create a, a very, very dynamic and diverse uh, uh, board. Because that is really the leadership has to be is is Julian, we, we lose you from time to time. Uh, bottom up and top down means board, and then thrilled to hear Michelle that you really made this as many as the diversity within the team within the board. Thank you, Jillian. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't have agreed with you more. Yeah, it's really amazing because so many people talk about issues, but you uh, are, but you're really, really like executing on that, and that's phenomenal. Thank you so much. Um, Last but not least, I am pleased to introduce you to our sixth and final speaker who is joining us from New York, Catherine Choi, managing partner at Chai Angels. Uh, Catherine, together with Rajiv Kapoor, you're the co-founder of Chai Angels, an investment angel investment firm, investing in the future of living, work, and health with the main focus on female-founded companies. As part of your investment thesis, you're seeking to re revolutionize technology infrastructure to build a happier and healthier future. Please tell us more about why you originally decided to focus specifically on investing in women and how your firm is uniquely positioned to discover and support the up and coming entrepreneurs before the leading VCs join your rounds. Thank you, Ash, um, for putting together this really great panel. I just want to just first off say um, I'm really honored Thank you for including me. And it's such an honor to meet um, everyone, all the panelists and would love to connect after this because um, we are all part of, um, you know, part of the ecosystem. So I think originally your question, Ash, is about like why focus investing in, why, why do we focus on investing in women? I think it's very, um, you know, kind of clear when you look at the data 
um, there are so many, uh, there's so much venture capital out there, but only 2.7, uh, 2.3% actually in 2020 goes to women. That is, um, to say that there's a gap in the market is an understatement. At the same time, there's a lot of studies and research done even by BCG and, and we all on the panel know, know these research sets that women actually make better entrepreneurs. There's their stats that say 63% of women, 63% uh, of companies with female founders perform 63% better than, the, the, uh, than their male peers. So women are really strong entrepreneurs. And even if you, even for myself, um, or if you look at a high school, for example, you see so many people who say, um, who've answered the call to go into STEM. At the same time, I think that you can also clearly see that in the last decade or more, more women have also answered the call to go into um, being entrepreneurs. Um, at the same time, what you haven't seen is, you know, more women going into venture or women being um, LPs in venture. But you're going to see that trend. You're going to see it's, it's inevitable. At the same time, I, I think it's very clear, especially with 2020, there are massive, massive um, challenges and problems that need to be solved. And a women's perspective, their approach is, is clearly, it's missing. If you, look at, if you look at the data, you're saying, you're putting the dollars from a certain, certain perspective. And so I think it's very, very clear. It's very obvious. So the answer of why. So then I'll, so based away from the facts, I'll just talk more about personally. Why am I investing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, I come from a, um, I come from Alaska. I have a younger brother with special needs. My whole family has always been entrepreneurial because we've been missing the, like none of the solutions really met our needs as a family. You have hundreds and you have so many people out there who are on the ground with these new COVID related challenges who are also doing that. And uh, just to say that just because someone is male that they're able to come up with a better solution, I don't think that's, that's a fact. So um, that's kind of the why. Why are we positioned um, in terms of sourcing and deal flow? I would say, um, so we're a small fund. We started off um, with uh, most of the GP's capital. Um, we're targeted to, to be a $25 million fund. We have currently about 2 million in our, in our fund. That's GP's capital. Um, we've raised about a million, continuing to raise, of course. And, um, but we've already, that, that, that amount has already grown um, by a million. Um, why do I say that? Because just saying that you invest in women without any kind of track record, I don't think really makes a difference for an audience. So that's why I try to say that. At the same time, we have 46 companies in our portfolio. Um, 41 of them are women. Another stat for, for about us is that 43% of our LPs are, actually 53% of our LPs are women. So we are really, our philosophy is, don't just say it, show it in action. And so we're hungry to bring in more women LPs, raise um, capital as soon as possible because we have an abundance of really top-notch females, female entrepreneurs in our portfolio. And the other thing is how do we continue to, how are we gonna continue to do well in terms of building a portfolio and pipeline? Top women attract top women because they're looking to each other for mentorship um, resources, especially when you're trying to collaborate with each other before you get your first, you know, name brand VC check. You know, even having that conversation to get that check I myself as an entrepreneur, I remember how that feels like. I also understand how it feels like for 
um, that relationship. It's kind of an awkward relationship between a founder and a, and a, and a venture capitalist. We try to make the effort of really being founder friendly. I don't like to use that term because I don't like these cliche terms, but an actual action, creating an environment where the, where the founder feels safe to be able to say, hey, here are my challenges, here are my unique gaps. And then we, we work with them and then we help them leapfrog to the next level so that they're able to um, raise strong found. Um, so I would say, even if we look at our top holdings for 13 of our companies, within the last three years, they've raised over um, $100 million. Um, that, that's compared to an existing fund that's been around for five years. Um, I think they raised about 30 million. So that's just how, how, how much like how, providing a safe environment, having a productive conversation can really help. Sorry, I think I spoke a little bit much, but I'm, I'm new to this, so. Thank you. Oh my gosh, this is terrific. And I must say, I personally spoke to about half of Chai uh, Angel's portfolio companies, and these are extraordinary uh, female founders and leaders, and I highly recommend anyone um, to, to learn more about their terrific uh, uh, leaders uh, under their umbrella. So thank you so much, uh, Catherine. Is there any question? before uh, we wrap up? No, just a comment. I think we, we need to educate more, especially uh, LPs, family offices, and institu institutional investors to trust um, first form because their risk is limited. <laughs> In fact, they don't, they don't give a huge check. And I've got a feeling, it, uh, Gillian, it's exactly like board members. You know, when you want your first board, all people say, oh, did you have a board before? And you don't. <laughs> Emerging fund, it's like that. You need to show exactly like you say, I'm pretty sure your uh, portfolio is super exciting and amazing founders, but you don't have yet the ROI and they won't invest before your second fund or third fund. And that's what needs to change if you want to accelerate, especially uh, female VCs and uh, people investing as LPs in emerging funds. Great advice. You know, Michelle noted this as well, which is that it's very difficult to raise money as a woman, no matter if you're a female founder or if you're a female VC. I mean, it really, really is. And um, there's a lot of emotional challenges that come with this as well as just mental challenges but I'll, uh, I'll just partake in a, a quick story I was in front with now close um, I was in a meeting with all men as always there were about 16 of them at a table followers and I was thrilled I was there to kind of fund of this hedge fund that was investing into us said at the very end that was exemplary thank you so much we're so excited we'd like to invest even more than 10 and i said and he said you know let me ask you a question do you ever feel like a hooker asking for money from men and i just thought at that time that you know this is you know I, i'm a you know i am a, a, a i'm not some it was just one of those moments where I realized, so I actually at that time literally shut down the meeting, walked out and I said, I'm so sorry. It turns out that I don't think we'll have $10 million allotment for you. And I left and I went to the elevator and all the other partners came and they said, I'm so sorry. We're so sorry. And I said, no, I said, don't be sorry. I said, I'm glad I found this out before I accepted your money. So 
for all the people who are listening, it's not just that you don't accept money. You're in the bed with the, so to speak, you're in a marriage with these people for 10, maybe 10 years. And so you have to make damn sure that whoever you are going to, you are going to uh, move forward with is someone back to that has um, just your break, you're breaking out with the Wi-Fi. You as an investor, and so the money. In fact, really, it's about the money. It's really about the money. Did you hear me? Do you, do you hear, do you hear yes, me now? Yes, yes, yes. Show me the money. Show me. Yes. Do you hear me now? No, I basically said it's well, always the mind, about the two yeah, things. Yeah, right. the values. It's about morals and it's about mind. It's rarely mm -hmm. about the money. So right. when you're looking, right, when you're raising money, whether you're a founder or you're a female VC, you know, you have to start really putting on that lens. Right. Yeah. And I love uh, when I met my uh, some of the GCC founders with investors, I love how after the introduction, the founders interview the investor. Yes. And I think that's exactly the way it should be. It should be two way streets. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. This has been uh, such a phenomenal. One thing, one thing also, one thing um, I was partner in three um, amazing disruptive technology uh, funds. And one of the things is I'm one of their only limited partners uh, in those groups. And I have to tell you, I, you know, and they're, you know, they're up, all three of them are up in the last two years, 500%. And, you know, because we were really invested in Bitcoin, a lot of them. And one of the things I say is that we're not getting enough uh, entrepreneurs who are coming to us because and there's a lot of money to be invested in this space and that to bring awareness towards this is very important and another thing I just funded um, a uh, woman in disability startup cohort and so we're going to be launching that and so I'd love to invite all of you to be a part of this to enable more awareness towards the number one minority in the world which is disabled people thank you that's all my thing all right, thank you so much um, and I am hoping to plan such a gathering again in person, like a one-day conference. Um, so then we can all meet in person and continue these really meaningful conversations. I am so grateful and I feel so honored to have uh, been hosting all of you uh, today. Thank you so much, Odell, Jillian, Dana, Catherine, Wendy, and Michelle for sharing your phenomenal work and success stories with us. Thank you so much. And thank you, dear members and investors for listening in for, and for participating in our inspiring conversations. And we look forward to seeing you soon at our next events, including our Women Leaders in Wealth Management panel on April 20th. Um, so goodbye in the, in the meantime. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Insightful conversation and a fun one. Take care. Bye-bye. Exactly. I learned a lot. You know, yeah, always. Too. I actually learned a lot. Yes. <laughs> and great questions. Thank you, uh, Ashmore, to your attendees and, and great founders. Let's Thank all you. panels, let's uh, connect LinkedIn. And if anybody listening wants to reach out to us, I'm always open on LinkedIn.